0: Hey, are you thinking about going vegan and you're wondering how to transition? I know that you heard of it. Your favorite celebrity may be one, but you're probably asking how do I become one? Or do you have any common questions like where do you get your protein? What's wrong with dairy and eggs? Is vegan food more expensive? Do plants feel pain? Is humanely raised meat better for me? We're going to get those answers and many more in today's episode that thing about being a vegan i'm excited to have a conversation with our special guest today kathleen gage she's a no nonsense common sense online marketing strategist speaker author product creation specialist and owner of power up for profits she helps entrepreneurs make money online her clients are driven by making a difference to their own unique voice but most importantly she accomplishes all this as well as managing her health and lifestyle by eating a plant-based diet. She's what is known as a vegan. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. Thanks for joining the conversation.
1: Well, I'm happy to share anything I can about being vegan. And and interestingly enough, when one goes vegan and plant-based, they really add a lot of plants into their protocol. They tend to do better in business. So I, I think there's a nice uh, marriage between what we eat, and how we run our businesses.
0: I am primarily a vegan, as I eat no meat or dairy whatsoever. I'm also gluten-free, so that makes me a little more unique in this situation. I'm 98% plant-based, and about 2% of my diet contains fish. This is primarily for my rheumatoid arthritis management, but I'm learning about alternatives that may help me in that area. Although I cannot be considered a true vegan at this point because eating fish is off-limits, I do believe in the humane treatment of animals, and I've never ever hunted for sport or for food. My plant-based diet has helped me to manage my rheumatoid arthritis. It's an autoimmune disease to a point where I am not on any medication, which is, or typically a biologic and other anti-inflammatories and pain relievers. In addition and we'll talk about that later I also incorporate herbs, qigong acupuncture, walking, and meditation. So it's helped me in my mind, body, and soul. I've been doing it for 20 years, and trust me, it makes you feel much better.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I've i been just two years as a full 100% plant-based eater, and I dabbled occasionally. But um, two years ago, I was dealing with uh, some inflammation. And that kind of took me on a journey of uh, uh, talking to Dr. Google a lot, and (laughs) found that um, if I was to give up dairy and animal based products, I probably would get rid of the inflammation. And so I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. And within two days, the inflammation disappeared, and it has not returned. But then I connected the dots between not only what I was consuming for myself, but my compassion for animals. And it, it really was interesting because it was like veils were being lifted and I do animal rescue. And here I was doing so much for the animals on the one hand, but then I was consuming animals. And one day it just hit me that I was so out of alignment. So that's one of my driving forces now. It's not just my own health, but it's the health of the animals
0: we are animal lovers in our home. And since I became plant-based, my empathy and compassion for animals overall has increased immensely. Not including my childhood, we rescued every animal we've ever had as part of our family, which includes nine animals, four cats and five dogs.
1: Yeah. A dear friend of mine, she just passed away uh, actually from cancer and she was the uh, mother of the incredible Stella, and you may have seen things about the pit bull Stella in, in the Phoenix area, and uh, she's the one that she actually found her life purpose when she rescued Stella, and uh, she's done so much for awareness around um, spay and neutering, and, and uh, you know protecting the animals. So, um, yeah, it was just about a week ago that she passed away.
0: I'm sorry to hear that she passed away. For those of you that don't know, there's a book out the incredible Stella How the Love of a Pit Bull Rescued a Family. It's a fantastic story. It also opens up awareness to pit bulls and their demeanor if treated correctly and with loved and trained correctly. So I'd like to ask a personal question, please. I told you I have rheumatoid arthritis. That's where my inflammation comes from. What type of inflammation did you have when you decided to go with a plant-based diet in order to manage it?
1: You know, mine was I, I It wasn't diagnosed by a doctor, but it was just like in my, my wrist and my joints were were tight and I, I would just get this uh, searing pain. And um, now it's like I have so much flexibility. I do yoga every day. I meditate every day. I've been meditating for years. Uh, we were having a conversation earlier, Michael, about how long you've been doing meditation and some of the alternative uh, ways of healing. And I've been on a, if you will, a spiritual journey for probably four decades now. Um, but my inflammation, it was just something that was a hindrance to my writing. Because as a writer, you know, obviously you need your hands. And uh, um, it... It just, the, the change was so rapid and not only that, but I dropped 35 pounds. I like to call it release because I, I don't want to say I lost it because I'll look for it if I lost it, but uh, I released 35 pounds. Um, I started running in my early 60s. I was 60 years old when I did my first marathon and I just turned 66 and my running speed has improved. My endurance has improved. My recovery time has improved as a result of going plant-based and um, really just giving up the dairy and the meat products for me has been a phenomenal change. And, and so that actually led me into other areas where I started a blog, I started a podcast show, I started a Facebook group. And I actually, as a result of what happened with COVID and really kind of regrouping my own business, I've changed a lot of my business model to now I work primarily with plant-based and wellness businesses, uh, teaching them how to gain visibility, how to get on podcast shows, how to write books, how to... Basically, do content marketing. And I'm so committed to getting the message out there that I appreciate opportunities like this to have a conversation, because if we can influence, you know, a few people in their awareness about what goes on with not only what you consume, but with factory farming, things of that nature, uh, then we're doing our job.
0: That's fantastic that you were able to take and turn something into a positive for so many people and allow them to enrich their lives in a very good way. The positive impact that I felt from a plant-based and vegan-based diet was when I got four surgeries, I was able to heal quicker, my incisions healed quicker. I was off the medications even before I left the hospital. I was on my feet the same day and I was released by the physician on the average of four to six weeks prior to the average person, and it's all based upon my vegan style diet, and I've been able to help promote that to other individuals and encourage them to change to improve their health. And hey, a very special congratulations for you becoming a marathon runner. That's an achievement.
1: I'm going to say it's a statement of how crazy I am because I got to tell you, I'm not a fast runner. You know, some people go, oh, do you win the races? It's like if I cross the finish line, that's a good thing. Um, my, my very first marathon, I, I didn't really prepare the right way, and I was still eating uh, meat and dairy at that time. I was uh, probably about 45 pounds heavier than I am now. And so I really struggled with it, but I I, uh, literally crawled across the finish line. I mean, I was the last person in. And uh, for me now, it's just I I do a lot of 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. But since COVID, that all came to a screeching halt. I'm actually going to be doing my first race in quite some time uh, in a few weeks. And unless they shut it down, we don't know if they're going to or not. But, um, you know, it's another thing we were talking. uh, earlier about uh, COVID, and it, one of the things that I know to be true is the people that tend to have a lot of complications, a lot of it has to do with uh, comorbidity uh, uh, that's going on, whether they, it be diabetes, obesity, there's other uh, things going on for a lot of people that through their eating, they can have more control over that, and the complications may not be as severe. Um, so I think, you know, we have to take that very seriously, that COVID is a real thing. Um, You know, there's some people saying it's a big hoax, and it really isn't as bad as, as people are saying. It is bad. And yet there are things that we can do to minimize not only our risk, but the risk of putting other people at danger. My mother-in-law, she's got a, a very severe lung condition. And so my concern is not so much for me getting COVID, but if... I give it to her. Um, I would never forgive myself. So I do everything that I can to minimize my risk. When I go out in public, I wear a mask. I do a lot of social distancing, which as a, on some levels, I'm very much an extrovert. On other levels, I'm an introvert. So I don't mind staying away from people. I got to tell you, I, I'd rather be around animals than people most of the time. But I live in a rural community, so I'm, I'm able to social distance quite a bit.
0: I can respect that COVID-19 is a nasty disease. It affects people both financially as well as physically. It is emotionally draining and is terrifying. This world is being affected by it. It's not just us within the United States. Unfortunately, it's increasing exponentially and nobody's paying attention to this. Our family's been affected by it both physically as well as financially and mentally. All of three of our kids have lost their jobs during this pandemic. We've lost a family member because of it. And we've got three individuals of the family that have been tested positive with COVID-19. It is nothing to mess with.
1: Right. Not just the, the um, diagnosis and what's happening right now, but the long-term impact. We don't know the long term impact is going to be um and financially I mean people are getting destroyed financially. I know a lot of business owners that are gonna to have to file bankruptcy or they already have filed bankruptcy, people losing their jobs, you know, so there's that level of it, but then there's the long term physical um conditions that we just don't know uh what, what's gonna happen. I I mean um you know there's people that uh, we, we just lost that Broadway after he was uh, in the hospital for, what, three months? Nick and, Cordera. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they right. didn't. They expected him to have a full recovery other than when he lost his leg. Right. They expected him to have a full recovery, and that turned around so quickly and abruptly.
1: Right.
0: Um, my daughter has friends that actually are close to him, and the story of it um, was very sad, actually, because they had seen positives and highs and lows, but then it came back, and it was a direct result of COVID.
1: And that's why people really would benefit from doing all that they can to take care of themselves so that they minimize their risk. Uh, because, again, we don't, we don't know what's going on. We don't know all the different ways it can be contracted. And yet we do have control over what we put in our mouth.
0: Exactly. That's a luxury that we all have and own. We don't know whether or not... A vegan diet or a vegetarian diet helps with fighting off COVID-19, but you can defend your body from other colds and illnesses by taking care of your immune system and doing that by following a vegan or a plant-focused diet. You may still get some colds on occasion, but if you do, they'll likely be shorter and less severe. I know that I've had experience with that where my wife has gotten sick, my kids have gotten sick, but I have not.
1: Wow. Well, you know, some pretty amazing things happened as a result of uh, being on a plant-based diet. Um, with my podcast show, I've interviewed some pretty phenomenal people. One gentleman, he lost literally 270 pounds. And uh, I mean, more than half his weight. He, he's now 150 pounds. And uh, I, I talked to one gentleman who's a professional bodybuilder and who's 100% plant-based. Uh, I, I talked with a woman who is a an oncology nutritionist who uh, she, her her own sister, her twin sister, uh, was dealing with fibromyalgia and lupus and um, reversed all of that through a plant-based diet. So there's a lot to be said for at least giving it a try, you know, when, when people say, oh, I could never give up meat, or I could never give up cheese. And it's like, no, it's not that you couldn't, it's that you choose not to. And uh, when I see people in so much pain and, and uh, dealing with obesity, and they say, well, I'm not willing to give that up. Uh, my, my own sister, I have a sister who years ago, she was diagnosed with gout. And she was pre-diabetic and, you know, number of conditions. She was probably about 80 pounds overweight at the time. And she's not that tall. Uh, at Her doctor said, what you need to do is give up red meat. And she goes, I would rather die than give up red meat. And she told me that. And I said, well, you probably are. You know, we're all going to die, but you're probably going to die younger. And she was always in pain, but she wasn't willing to give up red meat. And, you know, so I think people make choices based more on, not what they say, but their actions.
0: Yeah, I agree. I ran into that problem nearly 20 years ago when I first started changing my diet in order to manage my rheumatoid arthritis. I was talking to groups of people, large groups of people actually, and most of them did not want to change. They didn't believe that diet would have any effect on anything to do with their disease, their rheumatoid arthritis or their fibromyalgia. I spoke to my doctor at the time, um, which I'm not mentioning any names, so that's okay. And my doctor himself actually disagreed with me wanting to switch and change my diet to a vegan-type diet because he said that there's no scientific evidence that would indicate that it would have any effect on my inflammation or improve my inflammatory system or my rheumatoid arthritis. It was pretty shameful, actually, because I felt at least he should be open-minded enough in order to help us to explore that option, and he wasn't. Well, I proved him wrong.
1: That's incredible. And fortunately, I have a doctor that when I told her I was going plant-based, she was fully supportive. And she actually, she high-fived me. And... Um, so i was one of the fortunate ones to have a doctor that supported my decision where i know a lot of people have doctors that don't and like many of the uh plant-based doctors say if your doctor doesn't support you find another doctor exactly most most people in the medical profession are not given proper nutrition training Um, about uh, six months ago i went through the certification program through Cornell University on plant-based nutrition. And I did it more to just understand it more fully um, because my my goal is not to be a nutritionist. I'm a business consultant. I love what I do, uh, but I want to do more of it within the plant-based industry to help businesses that are in the plant-based genre and the plant-based market to reach more of their market.
0: When I moved here from Colorado... I ran into the same problem with the doctors here in Arizona. The majority of them that I had gone to see, especially rheumatologists, the first thing they wanted to do was put me on a biologic. Well, that wasn't going to work for me because as we've discussed and as some of my listeners already know, I had an allergic reaction to biologics. I was unable to take them and went from 165 pounds down to 100 pounds. So based upon that, I dedicated myself to learning anything and everything about vegan diet and how that nutrition and that plant-based nutrition can help to manage inflammation and certain diseases. And with that in mind, I just pursued a more vegan and plant-based diet and it's helped me immensely. I've overcome my disease. I've managed my disease effectively and it's the right thing to do.
1: Absolutely. And I, I love what you do with all your protocols with the acupuncture and the meditation. And, you know, I, I would love to have a conversation about that because I think that along with a plant-based lifestyle, you know, it's not just what we eat, but it's the exercise, it's the stress management. And especially in light with everything going on right now, uh, people really need the tools in order to deal with stress because, you know, it, you turn on the TV and the first thing you hear is, you know, there's there's somebody uh, running people down at a protest or people in a store that are they're losing it because um, they're being asked to wear a mask. And all of that is directly related to the amount of stress that we're dealing with on a daily basis and stress causes fear. So if we have ways of managing the stress, we can minimize the fear that we can
0: be in What I've learned is managing your health entails a whole series of things which combine your mind, your body, and your soul. That includes good nutrition, which in my case is a primarily vegan diet, plant-based. I'm gluten-free. I meditate, and I meditate daily, a minute, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it takes. I use acupuncture. I also exercise with what they call qigong and tai chi, They're both a martial arts form of um, concentrated and focused exercise and meditation. I also believe in the fact that you should also understand vitamins, minerals, and herbs. I use a lot of herbs. I drink a lot of green tea. I put nothing like soda pop or anything in my system. And I'm a firm believer in water. Water.
1: I actually start my day with yoga and I just uh, look for somebody on, on YouTube. My, my favorite is Jen Hillman. Um, and she has all different levels. And, um, there's another one, uh, Adrian, who's real popular on YouTube, but I start my day with yoga. Then I do some meditation. Then I do some inspirational reading and then I journal and then I go on a run. And that's usually how my day starts. And I find when I do that, my day goes quite well, and it, a lot of people think when you do yoga or you meditate, all your problems are going to disappear, and it's like, no, 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 no. The problems are still going to be there. It's how we deal with the problems that is going to be different when we've grounded ourselves.
0: I have a cliche-type morning. My wife and I start the day off with a meditation out on the back patio, surrounded by nature and our trees and the birds and the sounds. We do that anywhere from 10 minutes to 30 minutes, depending upon the heat, because it's getting pretty hot down here in our area right now. Then I continue with a large 32-ounce smoothie that includes power greens and herbs, anti-inflammatory herbs, protein powders, vitamins, fruit, and various things like that. One of our favorite things to do is to meditate, actually. We do it both in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, and then we will do it in the evening. Um, every evening before we go to bed, it helps us to sleep better. You can do it for a minute. You could do it for five minutes. You could do it for 10 minutes or 30 minutes. You don't have to be a yogi. You don't have to be a swami. You can just be a person that wants to relax. I highly recommend meditation and starting your day off with plant-based.
1: Absolutely. And I like what you said about it can be a minute, it can be 10 minutes, it can be longer. and uh, a lot of people have a real misunderstanding of what meditation is. Like you said, they they have to be a swami or, uh, you know, sit on a mountaintop and meditate. Um, nothing wrong with that. But for for most people, it's just getting quiet. And it might be, you know, focusing on a candle flame. It might be focusing on your breathing. Um, and it doesn't have to be where you're going. Mm, you know, you could do that. But it, it's a lot simpler than many people realize. And again, go to YouTube and, and uh, just key in uh, meditation for creativity, meditation for focus, meditation for stress management. And you're going to have everything from a three minute meditation on up to a three hour meditation. So you choose what works for you and start small, uh, start in degrees and just notice how um, how you're feeling after. Um, one of the things I, I like, I wear a Garmin and I like to check my heartbeats after I meditate. And my goal is to get it down to 40. I've gotten it down to 45. But, wow. uh, you know, and, and the running has helped with that because um, my my resting heart rate is about 50 to 55. Um, and so I I just like to play with my um, my own uh, energy to see how calm I can get, and then to see how how much I can get my heart rate up when I'm running.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing for having a heart rate that at that. And forgive me for saying it this way because I, I understand the importance of keeping a heart rate low. But for your age bracket, I know I agree. Outstanding. That's outstanding. <laughs> My, I'll my, take that uh, compliment. <laughs> my father in law actually is 76 years old, just turned 76. And whenever he goes in to have any testing at the hospital, his resting heart rate runs about 40 to 55. Wow, and they freak out whenever he comes in. <laughs> they have these young nurses going, uh, calling the alarm here. We don't understand. There must be something wrong. And Danny's going, no, no, this is this is just me.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: That's pretty cool. But yeah, you can actually you can find those things on YouTube. You can also find them in some of my previous episodes. Uh, if you go back to my episode list, I've got several uh, individuals that uh, help to understand what yoga is, how to implement it into your life, and how to uh, how to help you manage those little those little Dare I say irritations that might get your heart rate up a little bit, so that you can stay calm, relax, and connect.
1: Absolutely, and you know something that uh, that occurs to me is uh, when we meditate, when we do yoga, when we ground ourselves, we treat people with more compassion. And and I think now more than ever, uh, as we see what's going on in the world, to have resources and tools so that we can be kinder to people because it's like when you go to a, a grocery store, you go to, you know, whatever department store you go to, um, there are rules and regulations now that the employees have to follow. And one is in most areas, I, I don't know if there's any area right now where it's not required for you to wear a mask when you go into the store and to take it out on the employee. That's ridiculous. It's not their fault. They're just, that's their job. Uh, They're being asked to uh, enforce that. And, And so I think if people would just step back and realize that, you know, we're all going through this thing with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns. And if we can just go in with a little more compassion, it'll make things a lot better for everybody.
0: Speaking of compassion, let's talk about the compassion and the empathy aspects of being a vegan. According to Compassion in World Farming, Approximately 70 billion animals are raised for food in the world. That's each year. And roughly two out of three farm animals in the world are raised on factory farms. In the United States, 99% of those animals are raised on factory farms with approximately 160 million farm animals throughout the world being transported to slaughterhouses. The numbers are astounding and they continue to grow. Factory farms are cruel, lack empathy, and compassion for the animal. They're more focused on the bottom dollar and what they're going to get for raising a fat piece of meat. And unfortunately, most people who are going to the grocery store really don't have a clue where their meat comes from. When I was eating meat, I I really didn't pay attention to it. According to the Farm Animal Rights Movement, approximately 9% of more than 850 million of the animals raised for food in the United States each year never make it to the slaughterhouse because they died from stress-induced disease or injury. Additionally, there are an estimated 2.2 million sheep and 1.5 million goats that are slaughtered in the United States and used for meat in this country. They're typically slaughtered when they are only 6 to 8 months old because the consumers prefer lamb. Somewhere around 450,000 calves are raised just for veal in the United States alone. And although in the U.S., Farm laws require most animals, excluding fowl, to be rendered insensible to pain before being slaughtered. There are close to 260 million male chicks that are killed upon hatching just because they will not lay eggs or be used for meat. And did you know that more than 80,000 horses are trucked in from the United States to Mexico and Canada to be slaughtered for human consumption? After hearing that, you're probably wondering what exactly is a vegan? Veganism has become increasingly popular in the past few years, as you've probably noticed several television and film stars, some athletes, maybe even your family or friends have gone vegan. So let's talk about what exactly is a vegan and what do they eat? It's a way of living that attempts to exclude all form of animal exploitation and cruelty, be it for food, clothing, or other purposes, which further validates what I just spoke about in regards to compassion and empathy for the animals in the farming industry. So Kathleen, if you can help us to understand a little bit more about some questions someone may have in regard to becoming a vegan, that'd be great.
1: Oh, absolutely. One of the first things that is usually asked is where do I get my protein? And there's a couple of points here. One is we don't need as much protein as we've been led to believe, because if you look at where we've developed some of our beliefs, a lot of it has to do with advertising and the food manufacturers actually get subsidized. Uh And and so much of the, if you will, propaganda that we've been led to believe is true, um, it all has to do with the almighty dollar. So much of the protein that we've been led to believe we need, we don't need as much as we, we think we do. Secondly, you can get... A lot of protein through greens, through beans, legumes. Um, there's there's a lot of protein in plant-based foods, and many people think that plant-based eating means all you do is eat salads. There's so much variety out there on what you can eat, and there's a distinction between certain types of foods that vegans eat and compared to a plant-based eater. Because you can be a vegan and be a very unhealthy vegan. You can eat Oreo cookies and you're a vegan. Uh, You can eat a lot of like um, potato chips and you're still a vegan. So it's really looking at a healthy vegan diet, Um, not just a vegan diet. But I I think what I always encourage uh, people to look at is, first of all, how are you feeling today and how do you want to feel? If the way you're feeling today is the way you want to feel, great. But if you're feeling sluggish, if you have some pounds to let go of, if you don't have the energy you'd like to have, if your clarity is not there, give it a try for seven days and really give it a try. Let go a hundred percent plant based and uh, give up all meat and dairy for a seven day period and Eat a well-rounded diet. One of the best books on the subject to really get started is Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Fuhrman. I always recommend people get that book, read it, and then start your eating protocol because he really explains in great detail uh, the healthiest way to eat. He, he says what, your biggest meal of the day should be around noon time and make it a huge salad with beans and lagoons and nuts and avocados and, and really make it so that by the time you're done eating it, you're so full. But it's a different kind of full than eating a bunch of junk food. And for breakfast, like myself, usually for breakfast, I have oatmeal. I put flaxseed, chia seeds, uh, mangoes, blackberries, almond milk, um, and some nuts in it. And that's my breakfast. And I usually eat my breakfast around 10 in the morning. I go on a run first and then I eat about 10 in the morning. I have a nice big salad for lunch. And then for dinner, I have uh, whatever, maybe I do stuffed bell peppers, I might do tacos. I, and, you know, it's interesting because people think that when you go plant-based, you're going to give up all the fun foods. And I, I do tacos all the time, but they're plant-based tacos.
0: What do you use for taco shells? I personally am gluten-free, so I'm limited.
1: Actually, I just use corn tortillas for, for taco shells. So, you know, I'm not gluten-free. That, you know, I know some people, they do do a gluten-free diet, but for me, uh, that gluten's not a, an issue for me. But I usually do corn tortillas. I don't use any oil. That's the protocol of Dr. Joel Fuhrman is the SOS free diet, which is no added salt, no added oils and no added sh- processed sugars. Um, I get plenty of sugar from my fruits. So it's all fresh fruit um, or frozen, you know, during uh, certain seasons, you do have to go frozen, but get the ones that are naturally processed. Don't don't get added sugars and don't get, don't. Um, I would recommend against eating canned fruits because they put a lot of syrup and sugar in there. But I don't use any added oils at all. thats I think that was one of the most important things that I cut out was uh, elimination of uh, olive oil, coconut oil, because I was led to believe that coconut oil was really healthy. I don't use any of that. And I think that's where my weight drop happened um, because I used to use a lot of oil in cooking. Um,
0: and now I don't use any. And to be clear, you do not need to cut out oils in your diet to be a vegan, although I would not recommend canola oil. I personally am also a gluten-free vegan. Gluten-free helps me with managing my disease. It's an inflammatory agent that happens to um, affect me in a very negative way, so I don't do any gluten whatsoever. So realistically, I have a hard time when I go out to eat because I have to find things other than uh, what they call just a salad at a lot of these restaurants. And if you think you can't put any weight on, the average weight of a gorilla is 350 pounds, a rhinoceros is 6,000 pounds, and an African elephant and the average is 13,000 pounds. So obviously, eating vegan can still put weight on you, get you muscular and build you, you just have to find the right foods.
1: And I've interviewed um, a, a professional bodybuilder, Zach Belknap, and uh, he has been plant based for about four years now. And he actually got his pro card after he went plant based. Um, he got very into bodybuilding when he went plant-based and people were like, oh, you can't do that. You're, you're not going to build muscle. And he's built like a Greek god. I mean, the, the kid, he's a kid, he's probably in his 40s, and I call him a kid. But um, a nice young man and really is conscientious about what he puts in his body. And I, I asked him, I said, are your clients vegan? He goes, no, most of them aren't. But he goes, I can educate them on the benefit of a plant-based
0: diet. Same thing with Brendan Brazier. I don't know if you've heard of Brendan Brazier he-
1: the name sounds familiar. got
0: Several books out that um, I actually have, and followed up with uh, some mention to it in the show notes. But um, Brendan Brazier, if, if you look at him, he also he's an athlete and he's an all around athlete. And the muscles that he um, he looks like a bodybuilder. He doesn't compete as a bodybuilder, but he's a bicyclist, a hiker, and I mean he's an avid athlete in several different areas and very successful at his, at his um, health management in regard to nothing but plant-based diets. And he's got a ton of recipes that you can follow, including shopping lists to help people transition into a, a plant-based diet. Um, actually, from my perspective, it works for me because he's also got a majority of what's in his books are um, gluten-free as well. Yeah. So it's beneficial to me, and they're, they're a mixture of what you need. Um, he educates you in your, um, your essential vitamins and minerals and nutrients that, so that what you're eating is nutritional and it's a benefit to you and it helps you to, uh, it helps you to grow and, and stay healthy. So it's, the misconceptions, unfortunately, out there are still out there. Um, if you go to some of these restaurants, you, they say, oh, we've got a vegan option, or we've got a, a vegetarian option or something. But when you look at what their vegan or vegetarian options is, it typically is a salad. So, And you maybe have an assortment of salads, two or three, but it's a salad. So um, I think more and more people are moving forward with understanding that there are a lot more people out here that are on a plant-based diet than that need more of an opportunity to eat good food. Which I'm hoping will increase.
1: Absolutely, and that's one reason that I've been transitioning my business to work primarily with plant-based and vegan companies, whether it be manufacturers, restaurants, entrepreneurs, um, because I, I think that there needs to be more awareness of um, the fact that it's a growing market. Um, when uh, Beyond Meat went public, it was one of the biggest IPOs out there. Um, because people do have an interest in it and to also educate people on just the, the, uh, benefit of you can actually lower your, your food costs. You know, some people say, Oh, it's so expensive to go plant-based. If you're doing processed plant-based meats, that's probably true. But if you're doing a hundred percent whole, you can actually buy in bulk. You can soak your beans. You can soak your legumes. You know, there's things that you can do that actually will reduce your your food budget. So especially right now with a lot of people because of COVID and people losing their jobs, they're looking for healthy alternatives. Um, it definitely would be an option for them to consider looking at how can they eat healthy on a limited budget. Um, somebody that I actually early on really uh, was intrigued by is Rich Roll who um, he's uh, an elite athlete, where he actually at one point was about 50 pounds overweight. He was eating the standard American diet, the SAD diet. And his wife, very healthy eater, and she was encouraging him to go plant-based. And he was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, he went on a juice fast for about a week. And he said at first he felt terrible because he was detoxing. But then he hit that point of like, oh, I'm I'm very euphoric right now. I feel great. So he thought, okay, for the rest of my life, I'll just do uh, juicy. Well, he soon found out that wasn't the solution. And as he did his own research, he realized that a plant-based diet really was going to help him in his performance. And he actually, his claim to fame is he did uh, the Ironman on five islands in Hawaii, the five main islands in a seven-day period. He was going to do it in five days, but he did it in a seven-day period. And it was just he and a friend of his that decided to do this. And uh, that was really what his claim to fame was.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. That's amazing.
0: And that's a nice place to do an Ironman. Hawaii. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. If I was going to do
0: an Ironman, I would absolutely pick Hawaii.
1: Absolutely. And, and well, he thought, well, why do one? It could, and he's actually in recovery. So he's been sober for quite a few years. And he thought, you know, with his obsessive personality and addictive personality, well, if one's good, why not do five?
0: The thing with Brendan Brazier, for example, uh, when I started exploring his options, I did it uh, three, four, probably four years ago. That's when our previous conversation with Dr. Fry and I started on a journey to try to understand better nutritional needs. That's how I found Brendan Brazier, um, which I confuse occasionally with the actor Brendan Frazier.
1: Brendan Frazier, who has gained a ton of weight. He's very unhealthy right now, and he needs to go plant Oh, exactly. He needs to read. <laughs> the, guy, the guy that's
0: almost got his name, <laughs> he needs to read his book. <laughs> that's, that's funny. So... We've talked about a little bit about meeting nutritional needs and the fact that um, uh, it's not as expensive as you think it is, that I do that myself, Uh, soaked beans, we buy them in bulk. Um, I don't, I very, very rarely put anything in a can, I very, very, very rarely eat anything that's processed. In fact, let me rephrase that, I don't eat processed foods and I only eat organic. Now, that part is a little bit expensive, so that may scare off a few people because I chose, I made an active choice to only eat organic. So, and then I do whole grain on everything else, my whole grain rice, I do quinoa and things like this. So, part of my nutrition comes within those perspectives. Um, that doesn't mean that anybody out there that's transitioning to a, a plant-based diet needs to do the same thing I did and go completely organic. But it has helped me. It's been beneficial to me.
1: Right, right. Well, and unfortunately, in some areas of the country, um, it's hard to get whole food plant-based. Um, because in food deserts, for example, in, in uh, a lot of the low-income areas, they have liquor stores. They have Seven Elevens, They have places where people can get a pack of cigarettes and a, a six-pack of beer easier than they can get a head of lettuce. And so I think, you know, in in some ways, we need to start more fully serving communities of people that really are at higher risk when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to heart disease, when it comes to obesity. And it's not for lack of desire to be healthy necessarily. It's for lack of education. It's for lack of awareness. And it's for lack of availability of certain foods. And so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of educating that needs to go on. I think that uh, more availability of the healthier foods needs to be made available. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a really, really big issue that we're dealing with because you look at the whole issue with factory farming and the way that animals are treated and the um, steroids that they're uh, being uh, injected with and the antibiotics and uh, the disease that that actually is going into people's bodies. And the with the pandemic, with every pandemic they can trace it back to animal-based products.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to know that 6 in 10 infectious diseases come from animals. The CDC came out with a list last December that said more than half of the infectious diseases that affect people come from animals. The list includes some strains of the flu, salmonella, West Nile virus, the plague, emerging coronaviruses such as Middle East respiratory syndrome, rabies, brucellosis, a bacterial infection, Lyme disease. And they've recently discovered that the new coronavirus SARS CoV 2, which causes COVID 19, is the latest example a host of infectious and deadly diseases that have hopped from animals to humans and humans back to animals. It's another reason to eat vegan. I always had a compassion for animals. I could take the life of a person before I could take the life of an animal. I feel what they feel. I empathize with them. I can look into their eyes and see what they're thinking and feeling. And I know that they're terrified. I have seen cows cry, and beg for mercy. I have seen animals run away because they know what's happening. I empathize.
1: You know, that's something, Michael, that I think happens to a lot of us: is we hit this point where we get a visceral response to the even the thought of it. Or um, I, I remember about six months after I, I went plant based, I was in the grocery store and I was walking by the meat department to go to another department, and I actually stopped in my tracks. I could feel the pain. And it was like, I, I didn't even know where that came from. But it was like, I, I almost broke down and cried because I felt so much empathy for what these animals had gone through. And as I continued on with my shopping and just looking at people's parts and realizing how unaware they were of what they were putting into their body. And I think that's for me, where my commitment is, is to do what I can in my own way without judging people, because it took me till I was 64. And so I can't expect other people to get it, you know, any sooner than I got it, um, if at all. But um, doing what I can to raise awareness. And many times people say, oh, I don't want to know. And this is where ignorance is not bliss. I actually just posted something on Facebook today about this, that ignorance is not bliss because it's the ignorance that's killing us. And on so many levels. And all we have to do is look around and look at the the condition that many people are in. The amount of obesity we deal with today. Childhood obesity. Childhood diabetes that used to be only for adults. Um, and there's so many conditions that are being passed down to younger generations. And it's not fair to our young people to not give them the best chance at life that we can. I agree
0: with that. I agree with that. So in helping that, how do you... What would you recommend for somebody transitioning to a plant-based diet?
1: Well, that, uh, thank you for asking that question. I think one of the first things to do is to educate yourself. And I, again, I highly recommend the book Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. There's also Fast Food Genocide that he wrote. Uh, the China Study by T. Cole and Campbell is a good one. Um, join some Facebook groups to do with plant-based eating. I have one, Plant-Based Eating for Health. And, um, in there, we've got about 1400 people right now. And there's people that are brand new to this whole process. And it's interesting because a lot of times people think they should have it figured out. Well, when you're new to something, that's when you can just, you can ask questions. You can, uh, you know, look at what other people are doing and realize that we all started at the same place, which is most of us were carnivores. Um, and, um, Join the Facebook groups, go on YouTube, watch some of the videos, find out what's going on in Factory Farms. It's going to be hard to watch some of these videos, but if you educate yourself, you can make a better decision for your life. And also realize that just because other people in your family may not be on board with it, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It's like an alcoholic who definitely needs to give up drinking. I've been sober for 36 years. When I made the decision to become sober, it wasn't a matter of if other people approved or not, because they sure disapproved of my drinking. So, you know, why wouldn't they support me? But it was interesting because there were people that, even though they didn't like it when I drank, they weren't really supportive of me giving up drinking. Um, So you have to do it because it's the right thing for you to do. And I think through example... We start influencing people when people see that you have more energy. They see that you're losing the unwanted weight. They see that you're, uh, you're happier. Um, because energetically, what you put in your body is going to come out in a number of different ways. And I, I think that's why we have a lot of, uh, a lot of unhappiness today. I think that's why we have a lot of mental illness today, because if you look at the, the trauma and the pain and the suffering that animals go through and that's going into our body. Energetically, there's no separation.
0: Most people who are empaths, and believe it or not, most of us are empaths. We just hide that feeling and sense the energy of food. Many empaths don't like to eat meat or poultry because they can feel the vibration of the animal, especially if the animal suffered, even if they like the taste. So most vegan In a lot of vegetarians, are inherently in empath. If you have any doubts, if you have a pet as a family member, look into their eyes, listen to them, look at their body actions, especially if you've rescued one.
1: Very much so, and especially with rescue animals, it's. I I think because we've done a lot of rescue, we have three horses, we have uh, two dogs, we have three chickens, we have a cat, and over the years we've had many, many animals, and I think there's something with a rescue animal, they know when they come home. They know when they're in a safe place. And we have one right now, she's a terrier mix that when we first got her, it's been nearly two years now, uh, she was off the charts crazy. She came out of a methamphetamine situation and she was just neurotic. And she's still kind of neurotic, but now she chooses when she's going to be neurotic. But she's just the sweetest little girl because she'll actually come on my lap and she'll look into my eyes And she's like, okay, I need, I need your love right now. And I stop everything, and I just, I put my arms around her, and she's just nine pounds of just pure love and joy.
0: We have the same thing with we have rescued a Shih Tzu about three, three and a half years ago now, and it's like uh, our kids are grown up and they're out of the house, so this is our new baby, (laughs) and. And Charlie takes care. Charlie takes advantage of that.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Well, we had a Shih Tzu who actually had been a breeder puppy mill dog. And she was 10 when she found her way to our property. And, you know, it's kind of like God, universe, source sends these animals to us. And she showed up on our property and she was in such bad shape. And we really thought we were going to have to put her down. And um, she had tumors all over her belly. She was almost completely blind couldn't hear, had a bad hip. I mean, this thing, hard, I don't know how she made her way to our property. And we took her to the vet, they did some blood work. And they said, all things considered, her blood work came out good. She was probably about 10 years old. And we decided to go ahead and have some surgery done on her to get rid of the tumors. She had four years of a wonderful life. And she hardly did anything. She mostly just laid around, but she just exuded joy. And we wanted to show her that there was love in the world because we knew that she had been very mistreated and, and probably just used over and over and over again to, to breed puppies. And um, d- when she passed, it was devastating. Uh, but she had four good years. Oh, four
0: years of being happy and content. Yeah, absolutely. Charlie, absolutely. We got lucky with Charlie. We, we had three cats that, um, unfortunately, they passed within three years of each other. They were They were all rescues as well. And we took a break from an animal for a little bit because we were also devastated after losing those animals. They'd been with us for uh, a total of 18 years um, on all three of them. So without going into huge detail, but one Saturday morning, my wife was scrolling through the phone and a friend of hers had posted this picture and she wakes me up and said, this is our dog.
1: (laughs) You know, you know, it's like, it, that's the
0: little box. Open yeah, my exactly. eyes and here's a phone right in my face with a picture. And I went, okay. So we, we had Charlie by the, uh, the end of the day and he was in the same situation. He was from a puppy mill. And because he had uh, some issues and that needed an operation, he was cast aside and pushed aside. So now he's got like, I don't know, 30 toys laying in the living room. And his own bed, which he knew was his bed when we brought it home. So it it was it was nice. It felt great, and it continues Absolutely. to feel great. So, anyway, um, is there anything else that we may have not covered that you you think is important? That
1: yeah, I, I would just encourage people to really look at the quality of life that that they want and. Um Make decisions on a daily basis. I, I love listening to Eckhart Tolle and uh, today he was talking about, you know, there's, there's really no past. There's no future. It's really about what's going on right now and to live today fully. And we all have that choice. I mean, there's, there's certain circumstances we don't have control over, but we do have control over what we consume. We do have control over what we think. We do have control over. The actions that we take. And I know for me, that the longer that I uh, am vegan, the longer that I am plant based, the more compassion I tend to have. And it's like a new level of awareness. Now, I've been on a spiritual journey for many, many, many years. And I would say releasing the need to consume any meat and dairy products has been the most spiritual thing that I could have done in my life.
0: That's outstanding. Thank you very much for sharing your journey with us and for helping to educate individuals out there that are wanting to or needing to transition to a, a vegan or plant-based diet. And I will make sure that all of what you spoke about, including links to your website and um, anything else that you might have, will be in the show notes and um, within the website as well.
1: Thank you very much. It's been delightful.
0: That's our show. Thanks for listening. We're happy that you joined the conversation. I hope you consider a plant-based diet for your health and lifestyle. It sure has worked for me. You'll find all the links to getting in touch and following Kathleen Gage on my website, BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com, one word, and in the show notes. If you love the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating on all your favorite platforms. And if you have a podcast, I highly recommend using Captivate.fm to host it. You'll find the link on One More Thing Before You Go podcast.com and get a free seven-day trial on me. It changed my podcast for the better. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening.
1: One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.